we have developed uh, during these years different models that allow us to induce intestinal inflammation and at the same time develop the biomarkers. Okay. So we can measure if a nutraceutical is effective or is not effective. A whole new era of communication in the poultry industry is coming soon. The brightest minds of the global poultry industry will be right in your pocket. And what's best, you can listen to all of them while driving to a farm, traveling, or running errands. It's never been this good, and it's never been this simple. The Poultry Podcast Show is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like DSM, helping customers with efficient and sustainable poultry production. AB Vista offers pioneering products and technical services tailored to the poultry industry to help them succeed. At JBI, we apply biosecurity innovation and expertise to keep your operations safe. One of AB Vista's core strategies is to give customers the flexibility to do more with less, which is a common theme among many companies and producers in today's industry. As a science-driven company, AB Vista has proven results to help our customers achieve optimal performance using customized programs with our core phytase and xylanase. Welcome to the Poultry Podcast Show. Um, we're being joined um, by Dr. Guillermo Telez from the University of Arkansas. Welcome to the show, Guillermo. Uh, thank you, Karen. Good morning. Good morning. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background and uh, what you do currently for the University of Arkansas. Uh, well, I'm originally from Mexico City. I got my uh, DBM uh, degree at uh, the National Autonomous University in Mexico City. Um, back in, I graduated in 86. And just after graduation, I continued with my master in science in avian pathology. Um, and uh, soon after graduation, I I had the uh, fortune to 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 meet Dr. Billy Hargis. He accepted me to get into his uh, laboratory, so I moved to Texas A&M, and under his direction, I worked uh, on my PhD in veterinary microbiology. Um, after graduation. In 1992, I come back to uh, UNAM, uh, College of Veterinary Medicine in Mexico City, where I worked for a total of uh, 16 years. And in 2001, uh, uh, things uh, are, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible how things work, but uh, um, Billy was offered uh, the direction of the cultural head lab uh, here at the University of Arkansas, and to my surprise, uh, I uh, he he called me, and just to let me know that he moved from A and M to Arkansas, and at that time I took my sabbatic uh, in Mexico City at UNAM, and he says, "Awesome, why don't you come during your sabbatic?" I said, "Billy, I, I can. I have too many students, too many responsibilities here. I'm on sabbatic, but I'm keeping my." Um, line of research working and he convinced me he said oh come on come for three months take a break and 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 i did that's what i told my wife i i said uh, okay let's go to arkansas for three months and um, we came with our kids uh, they were at that time for almost four and almost two years 
Uh, so we drove from Mexico City to Arkansas. And um, when I arrived here, Billy moved with all his uh, graduate and undergraduate students. Uh, um, well, graduate students, the undergraduates, they stay in a and finish, and then they join. But um, it was uh, 11 students, so he, he needed help. He offered me um, to stay. And uh, little, I, little did I know when I decided to come, uh, it was going to be one-way ticket. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was a one-way drive. You stayed at Arkansas. Yes. yes uh, the toughest decision of my life. Um, I never, never imagined I was so happy. I was... Uh, Unan is an excellent institution. Yeah, it'd be hard to walk away from. Yes, uh, to me, it's like my, um, I grew up in Unan because my mother took us there where, where she, when she was uh, studying and doing this graduate study. So Unan for me was my life and uh, it was very, very tough, very difficult. But um, when I look at Fayetteville, at the university, I look at my kids and uh, comparing with Mexico City, I took the offer. I took the I I, I took the decision to stay here, uh, go back with my job. Uh, I don't know, and been here since two thousand, late two thousand and one. It's amazing. It's almost been twenty years. One year, yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, together I've been uh, somehow direct and indirect direct been working with um, Dr. Billy Harkis for over 30 plus years. And, um, you know, Karen, um, I cried for a year missing my job at Mexico. But um, today I can tell you that uh, that decision was the best decision in terms of professionally, personal, familiar. Um, we we grow here in Arkansas, and um, together we have created a fantastic program on gut health uh, here at the Poultry Head Laboratory at the University of Arkansas. Our main areas of research has been always gut health and the making of probiotics, prebiotics, um, organic acids, in other words, alternatives. Um, we were ahead of our time, actually, back uh, even since A&M time. Um, we were always working uh, to create alternatives to antibiotics to solve um, mainly salmonella problems. Uh, Billy used to say always, uh, salmonella has been good to us. Right. And uh, it is true. We, we, we have been very fortunate um, working uh, towards solutions for this pathogen and other pathogens uh, in, in this area. Now we have developed um, and patents, several probiotics uh, that have been commercialized uh, internationally. Um, and, and we have a tremendous group of people here. We have students that come and go, but we can keep growing um, in this area of research now developing models to evaluate intestinal inflammation. Uh, we need to induce, uh, we realized that we needed to, to have uh, models that we could use to induce intestinal inflammations so we can test different nutraceuticals, probiotics, prebiotics, organic acids, enzymes, essential oils, phytobiotics. 
uh, that have antioxidant, anti-inflammatory properties, but we needed to have a, a model. And we develop, we have developed uh, during these years, different models that allow us to induce intestinal inflammation. And at the same time, develop the biomarkers. Okay. So we can measure if a nutraceutical is effective or is not effective in any of these different models. So um, our area of research has been initially producing alternatives to antibiotics now, developing models to induce gut inflammation and the biomarkers. Um, together with all this combination of things during all these years, uh, we have now, uh, we are very busy here. Um, a lot of folks uh, from the industry, not only here in the U.S., but uh, companies from Central, South America, and even Europe comes to our lab uh, to run tests um, for their products with all these different models that we have for intestinal inflammation, depending on what we want, we offer um, the different models and the um um, that's how we establish different protocols and the experimental designs. So, kind of that's uh, basically, basically that's uh, how um, we've been doing during these years. Right. So, in terms of biomarkers that you're testing, I'm sure that that varies by what challenge model you're working with. Um, but, but just kind of give our our readers an idea of of how that would work. Like, let's say um, in a, in a Salmonella challenge model. Um, how are you evaluating um, the effectiveness of a given product? So that's a very good question. For for Salmonella, we have several models for Salmonella infections uh, here in the laboratory. We we have uh, the most typical one is Salmonella enteritidis, but we have a challenge with Salmonella typhimurium, Heidelberg, Reader, Anatum, um, and of course. We have to do in these trials recovery of the bacteria. So we usually incorporate the um, um, cultures that uh, do quantitative and subjective quantification of the incidence of the salmonella. But if in terms of biomarkers, salmonella, as other uh, gram-negative bacteria have um, this uh, LPS, lipopolysaccharides in their cell wall that are extremely um, toxic and stressful for for the intestines of animals in general. Um, by inducing inflammation, these bacteria um, it's it's uh, it's causing a lot of oxidative stress at the level of the intestine. Now, LPS, not only from salmonella, other gram-negative bacteria too, will have similar effect. And and when they cause inflammation in the in, in the in the gut in the in the intestinal tract, there is a disruption of tight junction proteins. The tight junction proteins are those proteins that keep the enterocytes together. Um, remember, uh, we must remember that uh, the the gut, uh, the the, 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 the epithelial cells in the gastrointestinal tract is a simple epithelial cell. So it's it's just one cell joined uh, to another by these tight junction proteins. Uh, it's, it's a very complex number of, of different proteins that 
piece of cement, keep together the enterocytes. And when there is a stress, oxidative stress and inflammation, there is a disruption of this cement, these thiojunction proteins. Um, now, the implication uh, of, of this disruption in the intestinal tract has a tremendous impact because um, we must remember that the intestinal tract is, is basically a, it's basically a tube that is inside uh, the animals and is isolating the external environment from the internal environment. It's just like the skin, but it's inside. And this simple epithelial, now, inside the intestine, we have a, what is called the uh, microbiome, uh, a, a tremendous, uh, extraordinary no, um, number of microorganisms, not only bacteria, we have all forms of life on Earth. We have bacteria, pro, uh, prokaryotes, we have fungi, we have archaea, um, and and this is a very complex uh, ecosystem that is complementing complements the biology of all animals. Without this microbiome, there could be no life as we know it on Earth. Um, they that that is why it's been called the second genome of animals. And as a matter of fact, um, the number of microorganisms just now that if we talk about just bacteria, don't talk about the viruses or the fungi or the archaea. We just concentrate on bacteria. It is estimated that for every cell, somatic cell of an animal, regardless if it's a mammalian, um, avian, reptile, aquatic, terrestrial, it is estimated that the proportion of somatic cells with bacteria is 10 to 1. So Karen, that, that means that uh, animals, we animals are a super organisms. And uh, when we look at this proportion 10 to 1, it's not only the number of bacteria versus somatic cells, it is also the, the genes. It is estimated 300,000 genes in this microbiome, my, microbial population that colonize the gut. Um, you consider 23,000 genes of a human, uh, 25,000 of a, a fruit fly. So the proportion is not only in terms of numbers, but genes. Now, without these bacteria, there's no life. They complement the biology. They regulate the physiology, the biology, and even our mood, the state of happiness. It, it's so complex. It's incredible how these uh, microorganisms uh, regulate. Yes, animals, we provide a, 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 a place where they can live and we feed them. And in change of this, the exchange they, in this symbiotic uh, relationship, they they basically uh, entrain the immune system, um, and all the endocrine system is also regulated by these these microorganisms. Now, ten to the twelve to ten to the fourteen bacteria. It is a big big number. Kind of, it's it's a, a, a one followed by 12, 14 zeros, depending on the age and the species. But it's a lot of bacteria. That's the proportion ten to one. Now, if there is a disruption of this tight junction, it is what is, it, 
it is a phenomenon now as Leaky got very, very well uh, in, the, in late in the last years. It's something that it's you can read and see. Right, lots of articles explaining yeah. that. Yes. The Leaky gut syndrome is not other thing that bacteria that is passing from from the intestine inside the to the blood go to the uh, portal vein or from the portal vein to the liver and then you can have systemic chronic inflammation. So if you look at uh, alcoholism, the chronic alcoholism, yeah, alcohol is toxic for the hepatocytes, no doubt. But alcohol also disrupts these tight junction proteins. So uh, people that have chronic alcoholism, it's... uh, Eventually, they will die by that liver damage, destruction of the liver, no doubt. But in the meantime, these people are getting translocation. It's what is called bacterial translocation, bacteria that are getting from the gut to the blood. And these people are in chronic constant inflammation. And that that has a tremendous impact, and we can talk about that um, more if you want, but but in terms of salmonella, it is it is it is by the inflammation that causes the intestine disruption. It's causing this leakage to the to the uh, to the blood. One of the biomarkers that we are using, and we use it for all our models that uh, induce gut inflammation, because at the end of the day, regardless regardless of the uh, inflammation, the stress. Uh, that is causing inflammation. You are mentioning a bacteria, biological stressor, but it could be physical, nutritional, um, environmental, psychological stress. I mean, at the end of the day, the effect of oxidative stress is, is the same. It's going to induce inflammation. And in the in the case of, you know, Karen, why the reason we're so interested in evaluating and studying gut inflammation is because the gut regulates everything. Um, if today is recognized that ninety percent or more of all diseases in animals or humans, from metabolic diseases, autoimmune diseases, um, inflammatory. Uh, all types of cancers, but you name it, you 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 name it. Most of ninety percent of all diseases are related with gut inflammation. Why? Right? Because the gut is the largest or immune organ of the body of all animals. Uh, in the case of birds, we 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 have it. We even have the bursa fabricio, which is a primary lymphoid organ, part of the the gut, the gastro attached to the gut. gastrointestinal lymphoid tissue. It, it is there for, for avian species, but but we can say that uh, it is estimated eighty percent of all immune cells in animals are located in the gut, in the gastrointestinal, in the submucosa, just below the enterocyte. In this lamina propria, we have a tremendous number of inflammatory cells. And there is a reason why they are there. Uh, the, the gastrointestinal tract is not only responsible for the absorption and the uh, digestion of nutrients. They they need to tolerate um, the penetration of these nutrients and water. 
they need to to allow uh, the tolerance and at the same time keeping potential pathogens and all the microbiome that it's in the lining of the gut. So that is, if you have gut inflammation, Karen, then then you're gonna have this effect in gut permeability and leakage of bacteria, viruses, fungi into the blood, which is gonna cause chronic systemic inflammation. And from there, you name it, every single tissue, organ is going to be affected. When you have chronic inflammation, which is produced by stress and what causes stress? Well, yeah, it's a long list. <laughs> exactly. And you, you mentioned salmonella, but at the end of the day, it's going to be the same effect. Rupture of tight junction proteins, bacterial translocation, and now the, to get the answer to your question, um, we use, we've been using uh, a biomarker that is Fixi dextran. And dextran, uh, it, it's, it's a sugar, it's, it's a molecule with a very high molecular weight, four kilodaltons. Normally, this compound is not absorbed. This compound is linked to a fluorescent protein. And, 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 and then when you give it oral, uh, you, uh, you administer this compound fixie dextran to uh, an animal um, by oral gabash, which is uh, a dose that we have estimated. We have done so many um, um, uh, optimization of, of the dose, of the timing. Then you can take a blood sample of the animal, and it, so it's not terminate, and with a fluorescent um um, spectrophotometer, you can determine the concentration of fixed dextran that is in the serum of the animal. So it's a fantastic biomarker that allows you to see the level of integrity, gut integrity, or disruption. Um, it's very simple, not terminal, and and it will allow you to know. With any stressor, if there is a disruption, if there is a inflammation in the gut that is going to be related to bacterial translocation in this case, translocation, penetration of fixed dextran into the blood, and and we can measure and, and, and determine how much of this compound is getting into the blood. So um, it is one, one of the biomarkers, but you can use current in the same tenor. Um, other biomarkers that can measure oxidation or, or um, antioxidant activity. So, for example, superoxide dismutase is, is another biomarker that we use. Or you can use uh, other um, cytokines in the serum. Uh, you can also, we've been, we, we, can, we can determine also not only the level of, of different biomarkers, oxidative biomarkers, um, integrity biomarkers like MUC2. MUC2 can, we can also determine with the lysis, but at the same time, most of these biomarkers, we've been using molecular tools to determine the uh, expression of the, uh, the gene expression of different biomarkers, thiocean proteins or cytokines, um, or antioxidant um, compounds that matches what is happening in the serum. If you want to use um, 
the, the concentration of or, or the level of gene expression of different compounds. So these different these are different biomarkers from the juicy molecular tools or serological tools that allow us to evaluate gut inflammation. Um, for the example that you gave, Bell Salmonella, for example. So you mentioned that a lot of your uh, past work has been in the in the area of probiotics. So in terms of keep maintaining that gut integrity, um, you know, our, our market is flooded. Um, in terms of poultry um, antibiotic alternatives, um, you know we're we're continually moving in that in that direction. Um, so, how do those probiotics function um, in terms of maintaining that um, gut gut integrity? Um, what is it doing in terms of the microflora? Um, I think a lot of people get confused when they hear all of these terms. Um, so I think it's always a good reminder to be like, okay, wait, this is the job of this part of this. Um, so um, in your, your work in probiotics, what do you see as their key role? Right. Well, again, we, we could talk for, for, for a long time on this area of probiotics because it, at least there are two, two different kinds of probiotics, um, lactic acid, bacteria, um, which are considered changed in the US. The USDA has uh, regulated and, and differentiated what is a probiotic, usually it's related to lactic acid bacteria or uh, those probiotic bacteria that came into the feed, now known as direct feed microbials. And the difference between them is, is very clear. Probiotics are administered in the drinking water because lactic acid bacteria are temperature sensitive. They cannot they tolerate die the in a mill. Mm-hmm. And uh, direct feed microbials, on the other hand, um, are most of the uh, direct feed microbials are classified bacillus spores, bacillus based spores that are very tough in terms of environmental uh, temperature or different uh, other environmental stress or so. Um, so we have the lactic acid bacteria where you have bifidobacterium and lactobacillus and enterococcus. Temperature sensitive, they must be administered in the drinking water. Some commercial products have used uh, uh, ways to protect them and they claim that they can tolerate politicization. Um, but most of the, the, the most uh, utilized Direct feed microbials are used are bacillus uh, spores based probiotics with bacillus uh, strains. Now, these are both um, gram positive bacteria, and they have in their cell wall very and different different mechanisms. They have they use different mechanisms and 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 we can talk about an differentiation of the mechanism of action between lactic acid bacteria or bacillus. Um, they have different methods or mechanism of action. However, something that they both have in common is, uh, and they have shown to have antioxidant properties. Um, uh, they produce antibacterial compounds that are selected for gram-negative pathogens, Salmonella, Campylobacter, Clostridiums. They also have a tremendous effect training, training the immune system. 
um, you know, um, several years ago, um, a lot of publication in Europe showed that kids, um, uh, girls or boys born from C-sessions uh, still are um, uh, um, under sterile condition, they develop later on allergies and uh, asthma problems. And this was related because um, avoiding the natural uh, bird, um, it is a bird in mammals through the vaginal canal or in birds or reptiles, they must pick the bacterial from the mother in the terms of the vaginal canal in mammals or immediately sampling the environment. In terms of birds or reptiles, they immediately start sampling and colonizing. They start eating the feces of the mother and the nest um, dirt, grass, current, it is, it is a crucial moment, a very short window. Very short window to colonize the gut. Not only the gut, yeah. all the mucosas, ocular, genitourinary, respiratory, gastrointestinal tract, all the mucosas must be colonized at birth. If they don't, if it doesn't happen at birth, it's too late. Um, the consequences are going to be disastrous uh, forever, basically. Um, these kids will develop this, uh, and, and it's, these bacteria are so important for training the immune system. The cells innate or acquire B cells, T cells, and all the innate cells, macrophages, heterophils, or neutrophils, they must be trained by these bacteria that are colonized different mucosas in the animal. Um, that's why today most uh, uh, gynecologists after a C-section, they use swabs of the vagina of the mother to impregnate all the mucosas of the baby. Uh, it, it has to be attached. So these probiotic bacteria must be delivered as soon as possible, particularly under commercial conditions in our industry, the poultry industry, where millions of chickens are hatching. They're hatched in um, a hatchery. Exactly. No, it's going to a hen. That's right. That's, you, you got it. So early the establishment of this probiotic is crucial because they, they need to train the immune cells and they are important for the development of the uh, maturation of the enterocytes and the production of enzymes. So these bacteria, probiotics, not only have antibacterial properties, antioxidants, they have immune modulation properties. They regulate uh, not only the maturity of the immune cells, but they can also, if there is an infection, they can help and overstimulate some of the B cell, T cells, um, and other um, uh, inflammatory cells to combat the infection, or they can prevent uh, alleviate um, diarrheas or constipation. They have so many mechanisms of actions. Now, in terms of um, not only the effect on immune cells, immune system, and the cascade of cytosines, pro or uh, 
young, it is amazing to see how these probiotic bacteria can have different effects. If you have an infection, uh, reducing the motility of the gastrointestinal tract, of, of if somebody has constipation, can alleviate the constipation. So um, they have different mechanisms of actions. And, and they also are particularly bacillus-based probiotics. Um, they are also producing enzymes that are known to improve digestibility. Okay. Um, now, why it's so important is because, um, as you have mentioned before, um, the poultry industry is, is uh, pennies. Yeah. It's, it's a business. Yes, of a business of pennies. And... The producer profit is going to be by not only the weight of the animal, but also how much feed is going to consume. Because 70% of the cost of production is, is, is the feed. Right. If you can improve digestibility and reduce the feed uh, conversion when you are producing more meat from vegetable uh, protein, that's why feed conversion is also known as the money saver because of this. So improving the digestibility of the uh, diet ingredients will improve the um, the feed conversion, body weight, and, and and that's another very important mechanism of action. So of 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 these um, probiotics, um, mostly bacillus, although. Uh, Lactic acid bacteria are also very important for absorption. That's another mechanism of action of toxins. And 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 in terms of mycotoxins, they play a very important role um reducing the absorption of different toxins, particularly mycotoxins, into the system. So uh, those are the most important mechanisms of action of probiotics currently. That's great. That was a good explanation. In, in terms of like the future of antibiotic alternatives, since this is sort of your your area of expertise and and gut health, what are the next, um, you know, sort of the the next compounds, or uh, where is your research headed in the future? There is not such thing as a silver bullet to try to control salmonella infections or necrotic enteritis or other. Uh, related um, foodborne pathogens. Um, today, uh, companies, not only the United States, uh, but also the most successful companies that have completely eliminated antibiotics from their um, practices because of consumer pressures. Because, you know, in Europe, there are Laws that have been restricting. I mean, they are banned. Yes, it's 2006. In the U.S. or in Brazil, for example, there are not. It, it's not regulated with with that power. They don't have to do it. Brazil has become for over 10 years the number one export export country of a broiler chicken. Yeah in the war, just by listening to the demands of countries in Saudi Arabia, in, in the Middle East, in Europe, in Asia, that they, the consumers were 
asking for, for a product with no residues of antibiotics. And the reason is, is clear. We can talk about that, why it happened. But, but uh, here in the U.S., there's, there are no regulations. Yeah. And it's consumer demand. And yet you go to any supermarket in the United States and you are going to see uh, products from different companies labeled antibiotic free. Or you go to fast food restaurants, you go to Chick-fil-A or Yemen, and you're going to see Subway, and you have posters and with the advertisement, and our products are antibiotics. So there is no need of, of legislation because it's the consumer. The pressure of the consumer is so high that companies, these uh, restaurants, have to put pressure in the, in the producers, in the Tysons or, or uh, different big companies, the suppliers. Either you give me a product with no antibiotics or I'm, I, I I'm not buying from you. Right. Yeah. Somebody will give them what they want. That's what our industry has done. We have given them what they asked for. That's what Brazil did. And, and Brazil is not the number one producer of chicken in the U.S., but it's the number one exporter because... Because what they, they listen and they provide to the consumer what they want. And the U.S. had not been able to catch Brazil yet. It, it may, but not yet. Um, and it's changing today. Uh, 60% of the poultry industry in the United States has switched to antibiotic um, free. Absolutely. Now, the most successful companies have to use carrying not only one compound, as I said, there's not in right, they have to use it's a program, uh, an integrated program, and the success. And I know many the, that there is a common denominator in these companies: biosecurity, genetics, uh, free from salmonella, mycoplasmas, um, and they usually have to use a combination of different nutraceuticals, not just one. They have to use probiotics, prebiotics, organic acids, uh, coccidia vaccines, um, or other phytogenics to combat coccidia. I know a company in Mexico that they, it's the first number producer in Mexico, and they are even exporting chicken because they, they can, um, and other products from, because they do not only produce chickens, by changing, these are integrated programs, carrying that, that not only just one product, but it's a combination of, it's, it's a management. Um, and and they, I, I know, for example, pilgrims in Mexico, they have uh, created a, a, a brand called Select, Chicken Select. And you see this in the supermarkets, and um, it's antibiotic-free, non-antibiotics at all. And I have seen the results because what people think is there's no way uh, my cost of production is going to be too high by using all these compounds versus antibiotics. That is not true. It is. It is. It's, it's breaking the paradigms, the concept that. Those programs would be more expensive because at the end of the day, current chickens are healthier, stronger, and you have premium value when you sell these kind of products um, in the market. 
and people is buying, is choosing people that have the, the, the economic power. They, they, they buy um, these products and they offer to these restaurants uh, which are eager to get these products off. So it, 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 that's, uh, in, in, in my experience, um, I have seen it not only in companies in the United States, but in, in Central and South America too. Right. Excellent. Uh, well, this has been a great discussion on the sort of industry trends in terms of um, gut health and, and um, these sort of uh, alternatives to antibiotics. It is time to our famous three. The Poultry Podcast Show is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like Fibro Animal Health Corporation. Healthy animals, healthy food, healthy world. Adiseo provides nutritional solutions and services to help producers achieve their targets in high quality, safe, and sustainable ways. AX3 Digest is a highly digestible source of protein with a low level of potassium, giving young animals a healthy start. When it comes to raising healthy animals, you need more than the right solutions. You need the right partner who brings decades of industry expertise and a global team to put that knowledge to work for the advancement of your operation. At Fibro Animal Health Corporation, we are proud to work with you as your trusted partner. Let's shift to kind of a fun question. Um, what do you like to do um, for hobbies there in Northwest Arkansas? What do you do in your spare time? Yeah, um, you know, we, uh, my, my, my kids and I uh, love to run, bike, swim. There's a lot of biking there in Northwest Arkansas. Yes, yes. Uh, Northwest Arkansas has, uh, thanks to the Walton family, have oh man, um, it's 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 the paradise now for mountain biking. So we 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 do a lot of that. And uh, lately, I also been doing some uh, wall climbing. It's fun. Um, yeah, it's um, and and fasting. I uh, I am enjoying implementing i have developed a hunger for fast and it's uh it's incredible i i'm i'm learning a lot current about uh, how all these benefits on uh, in terms of health and uh, um other properties that uh, fascinating so um i know that you guys have a lot of students that come there through your lab just like we do at uga um what what are some tips that you would give uh, people coming into uh, poultry health and, and animal research? What's what's one great piece of advice that you could give um, someone who's just entering uh, this type of area? Um, well, first thing is they must read a book that is called The, uh, the Human Superorganism. Uh, it was written by uh, Dr. Dieter. It will provide you a, a, an extraordinary concept of um, the power that these microbiomes plays not only in the GI tract but all other mucosas. Um, it is uh, I I highly recommend also um, uh, to all all students get into the biology of the power of mitochondria. It it is. Uh, organelles in the cells are, are crucial. And they are mitochondria, basically are bacteria that billions of years ago 
got sucked into herself. symbiotic relationship, fantastic, and they change um, everything. I mean, you can divide history before and after mitochondrial corporation, and they, they change everything. Students must learn and know and evaluate and study different ways of uh, evaluating mitochondria function because mitochondria are basically um, not, they are not only the power cell, the, the power uh, source of cells, they, they play an incredible role as um, signaling the environment, what's happening in the environment. And, and it's, so Karen, once, once again, stress, any kind of stress is going to be picked up by the mitochondria and the cells. And, and the, everything is going to change. The mitochondria are going to change and are going to regulate the immune system and uh, prepare the, uh, the, the animal for either defend uh, or, or be happy, be an allostasis and grow and reproduce. So uh, I encourage students to look and study and reading a lot of mitochondria function. There is a great book. Um, that was written by uh, Nick Lane. It's called Power, Sex, and Suicide. And it's, it's all about mitochondria. It, it's, it's an incredible area that I encourage students to look at, um, evaluate, because everything is related. Uh, as, as Nick Nail says, mitochondria rules the world. Um, I would say bacteria rules the world. Um, Several years ago, I wrote a paper for um, that I call prokaryotes versus eukaryotes. Who is hosting whom? Um, it's a, it was a hypothesis article uh, in Frontiers, published in Frontiers. But um, when when you look and see all the power and the mechanisms and that these bacteria give to animals, you wonder. Are we hosting them? Right. <laughs> Are they? They're really yeah, hosting us. Who's they're hosting? The, they're the puppet master in the background, probably. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so it's a, it's a fascinating area. Uh, evaluating, studying microbiome, microbiomes, mitochondria, particularly when you are getting into gut health, because the gut, everything is related to gut. Well, those, those are two great book recommendations. Um, hopefully everybody can uh, can check those out. Um, I think we could all learn even for our own personal health um, in terms of how, how the microbiome um, functions and, and improve your own health and mood. Um, yes. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. indeed. Uh, and quantum biology, Karen, quantum biology, if, if you want to understand how mitochondria, how bacteria works, how life evolves, and how we um, become what we are and where we're going, we must also uh, encourage students to look and read some of the... Um, we don't need to be nuclear physicists to, to try to understand. Nobody understands quantum physics. It is very complicated. But there is a very good book I recommend to everybody. Um, that is going to give a very um, the, the the basics to understand quantum biology because everything 
everything is regulated at the microscopic level of quantum biology, and not only quantum physics, um, biology, the whole biology is regulated by quantum mechanics. And there is this book I highly recommend also, it's called Life on the Edge um, by um, a couple of nuclear physicists now, one of them, they have even uh, Jim Al-Kahali has a, a, a program um, in, in Amazon. Uh, it, it's fantastic. Understanding quantum biology is going to be, it's going to change the concept of how you see life. And it's going to help a lot of students that are getting into this area of research. Awesome. Well, thanks for your time today, um, Guillermo, and uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And thanks for everybody tuning in to the Poultry Podcast Show. Well, thank you very much, Karna, for hosting me. Yes. Yeah.